The following is a message recorded from the final session of our Winter Conference in Winter Park, Colorado on the wonders of new creation in Romans 8. It's one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible, and it's my privilege to be able to speak to you tonight about it and share with you what God says in it. And I trust God's been at work in your life this week as He has been in mine. And I think this is a great way to cap it. It has one of the most important verses, I think, in the whole Bible that have given, it's given Christians so much comfort over the last um, thousands of years and centuries to read this. I'm talking about verse 28, but let's, let's read together 18 through 30 from Romans 8 tonight, and we'll unpack it. Hear with me the Word of God. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he, is, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience." Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He, searches our heart, he who searches our hearts knows what is the mind of the, of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Let's pray. Father, we bow before You. Uh, you, our Father, who have spoken these words to us, Lord, we pray for your spirit to help us to understand them, to apply them. Lord, I pray that any opinions I share today or any, any of my own um, wisdom would be wiped away from our own memories, but, uh, but your abiding eternal word would change us and transform us tonight. Give us hope in a creation bigger and better than this one, a place, a place where we will be whole again a place where we will not suffer, a place where we will not groan with resurrected bodies. And most of all, you're there. And we want to be with you. And we pray that you would teach us about this place, teach us about this new creation. Help us understand, we pray. We need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, let me tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I found a, a sealed envelope at my wife's parents' house just recently. And this sealed envelope said, to my future hubby. There's a sealed envelope, to my future hubby. My wife, Meredith, had written this letter when she was in high school. Can you imagine the things it said? 
<laughs> dreaming about her future hubby. I haven't actually read the note. We're, we're, we're actually, it's sealed still. I want to read it. But I, I can't imagine how I've let her down. <laughs> or maybe I've exceeded those expectations. See, when you think about the future, you know, like, it, it might be scary to you to consider, you know, what that's going to look like. You know, because all, we all have these stories, and if you live long enough, you're going to suffer. Things aren't going to go like you think they're going to go. But then there's greatness in those, in those lives and our stories as well. And there's a sealed envelope to a future hubby, to a future that we all have not opened yet. And I think Romans 8 is, is like a sealed envelope. It tells us the future. It helps us to kind of give us categories for our lives. So just a little bit again about my story. I mentioned my wife, Meredith. Uh, we have four kids. Uh, this is my 10th year in RUF, and I'm at the University of Oklahoma. Okay, so I came from a home that was really burnt out from from legalism and Christianity that had no grace in it and life in it. So my parents ran from the church. I didn't grow up in a a Christian home. And then over time, I would say through prayer and persistence of my friends from about 7th grade up until 11th grade, I heard the gospel. I saw the gospel over and over and over. And eventually God opened my eyes to see it. And behold the glories of Christ, my Lord. And so God opened my eyes. I went on to SMU for college. I learned. I grew. And then eventually moved on to Knoxville, Tennessee after graduation. Worked in a church. Met my wife there. And went on to seminary. And then RUF. That's been our story. And I know there's, that's some of the first chapters. There's many more chapters, hopefully, Lord willing. Uh, but I came to doubt that actually this week. Uh, yesterday, uh, some of you know me, yesterday I actually thought I was going to die. It was not a good day. Wednesday did not go great. Tuesday was awesome. I was, I was running down, I mean, the, the blues, and, and it was great. We were having a great day on the slopes. Everyone seemed to be having a great time, and then Wednesday morning happened. I woke up, and I was very ill, and it got worse and worse and worse, and I couldn't see an end to it. I had no energy. I was dehydrated. I was upset. I had an upset stomach. It was the worst I've ever felt in my life. I went to the doctor. The doctor gave me medicine. There's no way I'm going to be here. There's no way I'm going to be out of bed today, and here I am. It's, it's truly, I believe, a miracle. Uh, you know, I was fearing. I, I had, you know, no energy. I was like, I'm going to die. I really, I could not get out of bed, and here I am. So, and, and the, the pivotal moment for me in, in, in sort of processing this is, you know, I'm driving a rental minivan, or like a 12-passenger van. I'm the only one who can drive this. And I have no energy, no life in me. And I have to get my lazy butt out of bed at 3, get dressed, and drive the 30 minutes to the mountain to pick up our students and drive them back to the YMCA. On that drive, I had no joy in my life. (laughs) Kara, one of my freshmen today, said, you look so different today. (laughs) I look like the walking dead yesterday. I'm driving our group the 30 minutes on the the road to, to the YMCA, and I look up and I notice, hey, there's beautiful mountains all around me. It's a beautiful scenery. I can't even see it. There's glorious things to behold, and I can't see it because I'm absolutely suffering. I'm groaning. That's the way life hits us sometimes, doesn't it? We're suffering, we're groaning, and, and I can't even see the glories to become all around me or, or uh, those are still to come. That's my story. I was angry and blind to beauty all around me. Angry and blind. In a van of all things with tunnel vision. Suffering and angry, right? A van's a great place to suffer and be angry. 
happens a lot for fathers. Um, so, in your suffering, your anger, and your blindness, and my own blindness, I wanted to murder God yesterday. I wanted to. I, I, I had a moment of unbelief. I'm wondering. But then there's hope for Thursday. Maybe, just maybe I'd be okay. And I am. A student, I mean, I hate being in need, y'all. A student last night texted me at about 10 o'clock and said, how are you doing? And all these fine campus minister brothers were like, hey, how are you doing? Can we get you anything? And I'm like, ah, I'm just, I feel crappy. Don't bother me. You know, like, and, I don't, and I didn't want to return texts. I didn't have the energy to type. And I'm like, and, and I'm, I'm dying. And eventually, you know, I, I'd had a moment where I'm, where I'm actually, you know, like, I really am trying to pray and I can't pray. I don't know what to say. I, I, suddenly, a hint, like a song we sang Tuesday night popped into my head. Is that one, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, my God, how I need you. This is popping into my brain. And it kind of gave me a little a hope that there's going to be a better tomorrow. Hopefully Thursday, at least Friday. And so I texted Cecilia back and said, Romans 8.18. The very first verse we read tonight, which says this, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That is hard to pray and hard to say. That the sufferings are not worth, they're not even worth being compared to the glory that is to come. Wednesday doesn't even compare to Thursday, right? Doesn't even compare. I woke up alive again today with a resurrected body. Y'all, this is what a resurrected body looks like. (laughs) It's a great bookend to the week, right? We talked about resurrection bodies. This is it. This is what you have to look forward to. All right. Thank you. So that's my story. Okay, big picture, short, small picture. Now let's look at the Bible story. What's the, what's the Bible story? The story of creation, right? So, so God created all things. All things went bad through the fall. And now there's been a cross and resurrection of Jesus in the story. And now you and I live in the tension of the now and the not yet. The old creation and the new creation. We live in tension. We're waiting for the new creation. In principle, it's already here through the cross and resurrection of Christ, but we don't always feel it. We live in tension of that. And we live in the futility, as these verses say. The meaninglessness of it. You know, that's actually a, a connection to the meaninglessness of it. The bondage to decay. All that. We live in that, and then we also live in the hope and the resurrection and redemption with joy and miracles abounding around us. We live with all these things on one side and all these things ahead of us, and they're crashing in on us. And sometimes we feel like this side outweighs the coming side, which is the new creation. And so in this, we've got to answer two questions tonight. Where is God in the suffering of the old creation still bombing us every day? And then how do we deal with it, number two? Where is God and then how do we deal with it? All right, so look first at verse 19. If you've got your Bibles open, it's, a, it's above us or over here on the, on the board. Look at this. Where, where is God in it? Well, it says that the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation, the old creation that is, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Now then the question remains, who is the he there that subjected creation to this suffering, to this groaning, to this futility? Who is it? We've got two possible answer to that. One, Adam. One of my sons who's seven-year-old, Owen, you know, when, when we're talking about sin and the Bible and, and Owen, you know, you, you can't do that. And he's like, well, I, he says often to us, well, I hate Adam. 
because he, he made me like this. And he's right. He sh- I mean, he should hate that. I mean, he should hate the, the, the old creation that's in him, the sinful nature in his heart. He needs to hate that. That came from Adam's sin and disobedience, and it's infected us all, and even our creation. But there's a bigger answer to that question. It's not just Adam. Ultimately, it's God. God subjected this creation to futility, to meaninglessness. He subjected it to that, to corruption, to the bondage of corruption. God, yeah, so it's yes and yes, it's Adam. We should hate Adam, but then we should also be angry with God. God did this. God brought me deathly illness yesterday. I'm angry about that. I did, that's not the way I planned it. I wouldn't have it that way. God's in all of it. He's in the suffering. He subjected it to it. He gave us Wednesdays at the YMCA, and he also gave us Thursdays at Winter Park. He did that so that the new creation hope could be bigger. You're going to be grieved by all kinds of things in your lives, as am I, and we need help to relieve it. We need hope that God has a plan in it. You know, Jonathan Edwards, does anyone know who this is? Jonathan Edwards, he's a Puritan, 1700s, America. Um, he liked to think of God as a painter, okay? God is a painter. Now, this is, I believe he made this illustration because he didn't have movies and Netflix, okay? But what he said was that every second in God's creation was like painting a new portrait. That the whole of creation is his portrait. And so he's drawing dark clouds and storms and heartache in, in one moment, in one second. And then he's painting over that with joy and rainbows and wonderful new creation in it. He's working this masterpiece to complete it to an ultimate future, which is the new creation. Second by second, he is active in it, painting. And that's necessitated some futility, some bondage to decay, some sufferings in our lives. But he's only bringing it into a a wonderful, glorious new creation. And again, it began with Jesus' resurrection, and it's going to be made complete at his second coming, or the new creation. We live in that tension. It's still here in principle, but it's to be revealed fully in the new heaven and new earth, which Shane spoke about last night, I heard, because I was in bed. Didn't hear about it. Didn't review it. Um, so how do you deal with God painting like that? Painting storms, painting Wednesdays in your life. Well, you and I, we know, what we do is we groan. We groan. Creation groans, and we groan. And that groan has to go somewhere. We deal with suffering and with the old creation that's unavoidable to us by groaning. Where do we go? Why do we deal with our anger? Well, sometimes we deal with our anger through relationships. We need, some, we need a, a click to stand with us and say, me too. Me too. I get it. We need a person to, to look at us and say, I understand. But a person is, is so limited. He or she is also a groaning sufferer alongside of you. Even a believer in Jesus can only answer your hope so much. In, in, in our groaning, uh, we are unable to fix ourselves, unable to fix other people. We've got to look somewhere else to do that. And sometimes I honestly look inside myself. Some of you are more, more people people. Some of you are more independent. But whether you look to people to help you, to fix you, maybe it's your pastor or a friend or whoever it is, whatever relationship accounts or whatever relationship you look to to fix you or friend group, they can't do it, but you can't either. Um, one of my favorite um, kids' movies, because that's a lot of what I watch, is the Lego movie. And in that, I really identify with one character in particular, and that's Lord Business. And I don't know if you know that Lord Business is actually Will Ferrell. 
Okay, but that's spoiler alert. Will Ferrell is the father of the, the boy who identifies with Emmett in the movie. And the big reveal at the end is that the Legos are part of this creation in Lord Business's basement. So the boy likes to create and, and, and make all kinds of new things out of these Legos, but, but Lord Business, the father, comes home and, and wants, wants everything to be just right. So, so there's, in the story, there's this thing called craggle, which is crazy glue. Lord Business wants to, you know, craggle everything, glue it together, make his Legos just right. Because, look, all of life's out of control, and I feel like if I can control something, if I've got a Lego basement that's just right, I can help myself. What is your Lego basement? We all have something that we look to in our anger over living intention to be we need something to be perfect for us. We need, to, we need to groan and then build something. We need to look to something. We need, we need that. What is that? Is that your career that you're striving for? Our brother, Kevin, just is, is, gonna, is moving into that now after six hard years. <laughs> Someday, though, that career won't, won't, won't do it for us. Someday, we might get fired. And that's going to be the, the, the best thing that's ever happened to some of us. We're going to get angry. It's going to force us to deal with that. So maybe your startup is going to go nowhere. Okay, the career can't save us. Even if it goes somewhere, it's not going to save us. Uh, but what about your money, your retirements, your investments? I, I don't know. Like that's that's what campus ministers talk about when we get together. We talk, just that's a window into our lives. We talk about what's that looking like for us. What houses and values? We talk about those kind of things. We're afraid. We're living in tension. We need something to control. We need approval. We need recognition. We want you to think we're somebody. You want us to think you're somebody. Wise, we live in attention. We need a safe place to land. Many of us, and our, all of our exclusives, all of our pursuits are exclusively, what I like to say is groaning. The creation's groaning. We are groaning. We are in tension. Intention makes us cagey's, cagey people. Uh, cagey's. We, you know, when we who find our identity in people text somebody, and they don't text back immediately. We get cagey. We start to groan. When you Snapchat, and you're terrible at Snapchatting, and you don't return snaps, people get worried. I hear. Okay, this is something I hear about. Um, creation is groaning. That's part of your groaning. It's your heart. There's groaning going on there. You're looking for a safe place, something to, to stand upon, Okay. Our broken, cursed world, we're broken. We need something to stand on. We groan. Look at verse 24. All right, this groaning, which is uh, compared to childbirth, right? I've never experienced uh, the, the, the motherhood of that, but you can imagine what that's like to, to push a baby out of you. Okay, <laughs> horrific pain. Um, that's what creation is described as. Paul uses very vivid imagery, right? Groaning as if in childbirth, he says. And look at verse 24. As we're groaning, creation's groaning, it says, for in this hope we're saved. Now hope is, that is seen is not hope, but for hope's in what he sees. Uh, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Okay, we're groaning and waiting, and waiting stinks. None of us like to wait, and that's actually making us worse. Groaning is terrible, or waiting is terrible. So we look to people, we look to relationships, we look to things, creation itself, which is actually groaning, to fulfill us, to help us get through this tension we're feeling, 
and all those ways are bankrupt, and none of them are going to save us. We can't do it. What is a better way? Because God's will for you and me is not to just ping pong against these walls he keeps throwing at us, not to just die on Wednesday and just hate him and hate life and be worse and madder than you were before. No, it's hope. It's, it's man, there's going to be a better day. Verse 18, verse 28, verse 25. How? Well, God subjects you and me to groaning and tension. Why? Because he wants you and me to have to know that there's going to be Thursdays, right? And how does he do that? Well, he's going to do it by verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He is helping us. He's searching our hearts, knowing what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, the God who subjects you and me in this creation to futility in the old creation is just as mad at it as you are. That's the secret here. God's angry. You're angry. You're groaning. Well, God's also groaning. Did you see that? The Spirit groans as we groan. He groans about it. God is angry about the dark clouds He's painted. He's moving them to Thursdays, as I say. And there's no more Wednesdays in the new creation. He's helping us in our sufferings. I don't even know what to pray for yesterday. I found the hymn. I found the verse. I believe that's the Spirit working within me. That our relationship with God draws us to these places where we're safe and we feel safe in Him because there is hope. But I don't get there without His help. He's got to help me. There's a tension where I'm unable to fix myself. I can't help myself. And the Spirit's got to grow within me. Okay, the Spirit. Well, how does the Spirit know the Holy Spirit, know what I need. How does he know what's best for me? How does he know how to help me and to groan? Well, the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. That's what Jesus calls the Spirit in John 16. He calls him the Spirit of Christ. And it says, if that's the case, and the Spirit who lives in the hearts of a believer and he unites us to Jesus, you know, what's, that, what's the implication of that? Well, Jesus Christ came down from heaven to be born of Mary and suffer and die. He left, he, left the, he left heaven to come into the old creation to bridge us into the new creation. He has felt what we've felt. He's felt beaten. He's felt betrayed. His flesh was torn. He's been hurt. He's been abandoned. He's walked through darkness. He's experienced loss suffering he's groaned and he's had where does all that come from why did he endure all this because he's angry at the old creation he's gonna and what that is is that's love y'all his anger is dwelling out of his love for the world it's not the way it's supposed to be and he's bringing it to fulfillment through christ therefore you better believe the holy spirit knows how to pray for you because Jesus has walked where you've walked in all ways. He knows your heart better than you do. And I'm thankful for that. He knows my heart better than I do. So the Spirit brings us the heart of Jesus and suffers with us. He's bringing the will of God to bear. And that's glorification, as the last three verses speak to. He predestined His people. He knew them in advance. He justified them. He glorified them. 
His goal for you and me is sanctification or ultimate glorification. No more power and penalty of sin. No more suffering under, under this old creation, but a new creation. He's angry and wants to make Thursday come. Now, where do we go from here? If you've met that kind of God, if you, if you know Him, if you know Jesus and the Spirit, if you've known that God of love and of anger, how does prayer work? Well, the Spirit of Christ groans within you. He's connected you to Jesus. And what's happening when you groan and when you decide to pray, believers bring that tension of the old and the new together, and we bring about blessings. As the Spirit prays, we pray. He groans within us, and it brings about the new creation. Now think about that. What are you angry about? There's a lot of things in this world to be angry about. You have unprecedented resources to find things to be angry at. You have the internet. You have a 24-hour news cycle. There's always something to be outraged about, right? Last year was, was called by some the year of outrage, okay? You've got police brutality. You've got all kinds of things going on to be outraged about. We live, or we're, we're, we're you know, standing right close to where Columbine happened. That's an outrageous thing that happened when you were very little. Um, what are you angry about? What do you, what do you groan about? Is it a death? Is it homelessness? Is it, is it the way international students are sort of subjugated at your, at your school? What are you groaning about? Is it sex trafficking? Is it inequality? What are you groaning about? Be angry at something and live for something. Pray for something. Pray for something. Jesus has endured all that kind of stuff. He's even endured unanswered prayers. He said, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. And God said, no, 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 you're going you're gonna to drink that cup. You're going to suffer for the sake of the world. He knows. Lift up that friend who's hurting. Lift him up. And then God moves to that. If you know that, God, that's what you are called to do, is to groan as he groans within you. What, you know, what if you don't know that God? What if, you, if, we, if you're like, I don't feel like there's anybody helping me. I don't feel like there's any hope in me. I don't feel like I'm going to go anywhere. I don't feel like this world is going anywhere. I need someone to help me. I want you, you've got two options tonight. I want you to go to your small group and ask someone in your small group to help you, to tell you the gospel, to tell you how to, how to have a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with him, where you can have this communion with God. Or two, one option, go to your small group. Two, Come, come talk to your campus minister. We're just standing around here. We, we love nothing more than telling you about Jesus and telling you how you can know him better. So come to us. Because God has given you a sealed envelope of your future this week. And it's this glorious one that we just read. It's Romans 8. Open it and read it. There's going to be Wednesdays. But there's going to be Thursdays. There's going to be hope and glory. The new creation cannot cannot stay sealed. It's going to be opened. The question is, where do we stand in this new creation? Do we stand with Jesus or do we stand against him? The offer is open. To all who repent and believe in him, there is eternal life. To anyone who will come to him. I pray, let's, let's, let's bow and pray together for that to happen tonight. For us to know him. Lord, we pray that you would help us to internalize that there is hope beyond our sufferings. But to not to pass over our sufferings with platitudes 
with vain things, but to, but to look to you with substance and see how you've suffered with us. You've come to our world and died and, and suffered in our place. And you know what we're going through. And you pray with us. Help us to be those who pray with others, pray for others, to pray for the new creation to come. The things that we can only imagine happening. We can't even imagine the glories to come. Pray that you'd bring those to bear on us now as they are in heaven on this earth. Lord, you give us something to die for, something to suffer for, something to, to, to long for, a purpose in this life. And those of us who don't know the help that you give to us, draw us to the only one who can help us, to Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross to, to raise us up to the new heavens and new earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.